0: What is going on, guys? And thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Everyday Growth Podcast with your host, me, Anthony J. Here, we search out for individuals who have had growth in one way or another during their lifetime. My next guest is definitely no stranger to growth. He preaches his practices with 100% clarity and a little bit of motivation from, and I quote, failure way to success, and one of my all-time favorites he coined was, demand the fucking world on a golden platter. But this guest is not just all motivation and quotes. He is the voice that is constantly in your head, calling you on all of your never-ending bullshit. The swift kick in your ass that you desperately need to wake up and get living your best life. Through his epic tales of adversity that paved the way to his ever-evolving man he is today. You're definitely going to want to get your pens and papers ready, take a shit ton of notes with this dude. Without further ado, I give you the strongest man I know inside the gym and out. My voice of reason on my most bad days, Mr. Grant Deziak. How's it going, my brother?
1: Dude, I don't even, I, like, can we just stop the podcast now? Like, after an intro like that, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, mess up anything. So, <laughs> no, thank you very much, man. That's uh, very humbling to hear, and I appreciate it very much, and I'm stoked to uh, be on here with you.
0: Awesome, man. Where are you at today? Like, uh, where are you residing at right now? Let the people into a little bit of uh, the life of Grant right now. <laughs> uh, currently,
1: I'm in uh, South Florida. I just moved down here about three, yeah, about three months ago from uh, Columbus, Ohio, where I was for the previous 12 years
0: uh and before that i was just at home which is uh, northern ohio that's awesome man how did you make that trip and uh how you said you you were born and raised in ohio your whole life you just moved recently
1: yeah yeah so uh i was born in northern ohio uh love my family it's like I attribute everything to them uh well i've like my family i have a huge family i guess in the aspect that i have a lot of siblings uh my dad's been remarried a bunch of times Uh, no relationship with my father whatsoever. Uh, I was raised primarily by women. Uh, like, uh, I had my uncle uh, and my grandpa father, uh, were the two like male forces in my life. Um, and then I was like my mom, my sister, and I have a lot of other sisters. Uh, and then my grandma was kind of like just the Billy badass in my life that literally would kick the shit out of me for anything. So, um, so I'm from, I'm from up there. Uh, and then, uh, I knew at a very young age I wanted to go play football in college, and not just college. I wanted to go to Ohio State, uh, and I never deterred my sights from that. So I went there, walked on, uh, ended up being a way, way bigger process than what I was anticipating. Um, made it on the team uh, twice, actually. Made it the first time, and like a typical ignorant jock, uh, messed up my grades and got cut. Then took another two-year process to get back on the team to get my GPA high enough. Uh, got back on the team. Did that for a while, ended up with a, quite a few injuries. Uh, most of those injuries came from like through training, getting ready to go there. Um, and then from there, I got into the bar and nightlife industry for, man, that was, that was a good eight years, eight, nine years. Uh, and I loved it. I loved every aspect of it. Um, mostly to be something different in the bar and nightlife industry is like a manager. Because anytime you say you're a bar manager, you have that aspect and that stigma that goes with it of, you know, doing blow off a server's tit at you know, four in the morning. And that's what people think it is, where I learned so much of business from my mother. And it was so cool to implement it into another business. You know, it was a small, small venue, but we did, you know, $5 million a year. Uh, So to be able to be in charge of something like that, and I took started taking this whole like entrepreneurial approach from the get go, uh, without knowing or like without the intention of putting in my bio, like I'm an entrepreneur or something like that. Um, But it, it was a very unique opportunity, I think to experience it, try things out and experiment, essentially on somebody else's dime, uh, but all the while taking the approach of like, this is my business. Uh, and it was so much fun, it was so cool. And there's so much about business leadership through uh, doing it myself and experiencing it with people and realized that's exactly what business is, it is people. It has nothing to do with money or bottom lines or costs or anything, it's all about people. So uh, did that for a long time, got a little tired of the hours. Uh, once I hit about 27, 28, Actually, it was a little bit earlier than that. Uh, got tired of that and sort of, I don't you know I mean, it's its its kind of goofy how I moved into the fitness space. Um, I was really good friends with these guys that owned a gym back home and I'd, I'd gone through a pretty large weight loss transformation myself and I didn't use social media at that point. Um, I just, I mean, I did, but it was like my dog, some food, like the typical stuff, uh, but I, I, I dropped about. 75, 80 pounds in a four or five month span, which I always put like a asterisk with that. Like I don't recommend trying that. It just kind of happened. I changed massive, massive changes all in a dime. Uh, and from there, uh, I got sucked up into loving working with people more one-on-one and, and I continued bartending for another three years after that. And people ask me all the time how I did that. And it was like, uh, it was a perfect balance. It was like, it was like, I could help motivate whatever, lead people to like a, a healthy life uh 5 6 days a week and then just destroy their livers like 2 3 days a week and it was like a little bit more of a, a job security so circle <laughs> of life <laughs> oh dude i pick up so many clients at the bar cuz you get people on by sunday that were you know doing sunday funday they're like oh my god i got to change my life and i'm like i know you do so here's my card just sign yeah. yeah. my card with the beer yeah so i did that did a couple other pretty big business endeavors uh worked out in california of, quite heavily for a little while, uh, parted ways with my business partner and that, uh, then spent the majority of last year being the most broke I've ever been, uh, as a grown-up after a pretty bad business uh, deal with that guy. And, uh, you know, from there I learned so much about myself. Might've been the most broke I've ever been, but the richest I've ever felt. And it was like the coolest, coolest, most amazing experience for me to go through that. Um, and I'll, I'll never sit here and be like, oh my God, struggle so hard. Like there was a struggle with it, but my mother stepped up immediately more than openly willing to help me, uh, which is extremely humbling as a, you know, 31 year old guy uh, in a world where you know you talk about masculinity and, all, and we can get into that shit later. But like you talk about like, it doesn't matter. You're 31 years old. You've been on the top and next thing you know, you're, you're borrowing mother money from your mother. Uh, but it taught me so much and it was so incredible to be able to humble myself that much, uh, that I, like I wouldn't change it for the world. So went from that, uh, did everything I could to put out as much content as I could last year, as much value as I could Through that business endeavor. I met someone who he had a conference last year. I went down I spoke at it for free. Um, you know, the, and, and, and I'm not saying for free in the aspect of like, Oh, like pat me on the back. I'm saying, these little things that people never want to give out free value. They never want to give their shit away or like, Oh, like how much you're going to pay me like this. Everything leads to something greater. And you know, in that aspect I spoke in front of, I don't know, 50, 60 people that were all business coaches, fitness coaches, whatever. Um, one of them being uh, the most amazing woman I've ever met and uh, who is now my girlfriend. And that is why I ended up moving down
0: to South Florida. So that's where I am now. Dude, that's that's a whole lot right there, brother. Which part do you want to go back and elaborate a little bit more on? Any of it, dude. That's great, man. So, grandma raising you, man. I want to I want to hear kind of circle back to that. And, and you said you were kind of raised by a bunch of women. Like a lot of people, would hear that and be like, "Holy shit, no way!" That had to be so terrible. But in your in your life, in <laughs> retrospect, it was the most amazing thing that you've ever went through. You know, it has to be. I mean, it probably makes you and or make makes you have a little bit more love for for women and what they go through. Cause you were like surrounded by it engulfed in it all the time and touch base a little bit about that for us. Um, I, it's so weird to me sometimes I guess, and I try to be
1: understanding of it when I talk to guys or help guys or work with guys in terms of like relationship issues or, or just anything every day. Um, because to me, it's just so normal, uh, to have this extremely high respect of women. Um, like I, I consider myself to be a pretty empathetic person. Like I can easily put myself in other people's shoes and it's, and again, I, I don't take credit for that. I attribute that to, you know, my mother who my father took a lot from her. Um, they got a, I think they got a divorce. I think I was like two when it happened. So obviously I don't remember that. Um, but you know, I got beat by my father growing up. I uh, didn't have much of a relationship with him ever at all. He's got a ton of kids and none of them really talk to him anymore. Kind of a total alcoholic piece of shit. Um, a lot of issues and, you know, I, my mother owned, has owned her own business pretty much ever since she was out of high school. And she, when she had us, my sister is four years older than me. When she had me, um, money was so tight because my father had taken so much from her that she was living in the back of her store. Um, so my grand, she had, my sister and I live with my grandmother and my grandma and grandpa. And so we lived with them till I think I was about five years old and like, God bless that woman. She would drive, you know, you say 15 minutes, not a big deal, but 15, 20 minutes at 7am, 6am, 7am every morning to wake us up, then turn around drive back up to work to the same place she slept in, that she's going to be working in all day long, work her ass off all day long, then turn around and drive another 15 minutes back out at the end of the night, then 15 minutes back. So that's an hour driving every day just to be able to see her kids, uh, to make sure she can wake us up in the morning and put us to bed at night. Um, and then, she, and then she started dating a guy. I think I was five, six years old, moved in. Uh, and then we like, we're all living together. So, uh, but I've had the most amazing relationship with my grandmother my entire life. Uh, and then my grandma and grandpa had my uncle, my mom and my aunt. So like my grandma's a total powerhouse in our family. So like even the guys, so like my uncle, my grandpa, like, my grandma just ruled everybody pretty much. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's things like growing up, I'd see, you know, people was like you know all the fancy toys and jet skis and all the shit or like you know fathers with their kids that are like yelling at football games and athletic events and stuff and then i had my uncle who in my head i remember back then i'm like this is just what i thought the standard was i looked at that shit and i was like that's kind of weird like why are they yelling at him because all that reminded me of was my father all the while I had my uncle who was much more nurturing who dude that dick that guy would 10 times blow away any father I could have ever hoped to have had, uh, you know, cause to me that term like father, any, anything, family, whatever, that's a technicality. It's based on a feeling, uh, what they do for you, what they bring to your life, you know, that's family. Um, so in my eyes, my uncle is my father. So I was raised by, you know, my, my grandma primarily, uh, and then my mother all the time when I moved in with her and then my sister, um, was exposed, <laughs> exposed me to a lot at a super young age. Um, she unfortunately was raped uh, when I was I think six or seven uh, and that was about five feet away from me. I was asleep, didn't know. And I ended up not finding out about it until I was 13 years old of what actually happened. And it kind of set this whole thing emotion of wanting to be able to protect the women in my life and it, like probably do a fault of like overly protective, which drove this huge knife between her and I, because like. I was never approving of any relationship she ever had. I never liked any guy she ever brought around. I immediately just shit on him because I was like, you're not worthy of her. You know, like you're probably going to do something bad. Uh, and it's ironic because you talk about all that and then go into a, a conversation her and I had about, I don't know, like a year, year and a half ago. So. She, we, we, I don't have any idea how this conversation even happened. I was in my car driving, we hadn't seen each other in a while and she had my nephew, she was never supposed to be able to have children and uh, she ended up getting pregnant and she had my nephew, I'm his godfather and uh, you know, my sister and I always had this like kind of awkward, I want to say surface layer friendship, relationship, whatever of like, we're so tight, we're so tight, but I'd also snap at her on a dime and she would drop her shit and freak out on me on a dime. Uh, only to find out about a year ago when we had this conversation is she held this like grudge our entire lives because she watched my dad beat the shit out of me when I was like two years old. And so she would have been six. She watched him beat the shit out of me because I guess he was trying to potty train me and I pissed on his shoe and she didn't do anything. And I'm like, dude, you were six years old. I was like, first of all, I don't even remember that. She goes, yeah, she goes, but it set this whole thing in motion with me that I had to be able to protect you and that I had to be there for you. And I never felt like I would, I did enough. So I always felt like I was behind the eight ball. Um, all the while I've had this thing my whole life where I just want to protect her, but it always comes across much differently. It comes across like, I'm this asshole brother that doesn't actually care about anything. So she's sitting here saying like, this is this guy. I love him. Like, you know, we're in a relationship and I'm like, I don't give a fuck who that is. However, I'm actually saying, I love you so much. And I want to make sure you're okay. And she's in, like, it's coming across like I'm a prick. Uh, so we had this huge conversation, dude, our relationship has blossomed ever since. And it's just. It's probably one of the most, um, I guess, pivotal things that have changed my perspective and I've brought into my coaching in terms of, you know, the relationships we have, the the miscommunication, the communication breakdowns we have with our friendships, our parents, our families, relationships, intimate loved ones, everything across the board, it's all about communication. And it's just so bizarre to me to see how many relationships I've even had in the past. If I go back and look at them now with a kind of a different mindset approach of just like, what actually happened. I'm like, Oh shit, that was my fault. Like it actually was my fault because I didn't communicate the right way. It's just, it's kind of cool thing to see.
0: Well, dude, first and foremost, before we go any further with the podcast, I just want to say, thank you so much for sharing that story with, with not just myself, but everyone who was going to hear that. And I know by the end of this, there's going to be a lot of people that have, they're going through that, going through it now. And that story will help out. I'm sure by the end of this podcast, they will be lifted up and see where you're at today from, um, from that heavy adversity that you did go through. And, but thank you so much for sharing that, man. I really do appreciate you for that.
1: Dude, absolutely, man. And, and, you know, for anyone that is listening to this in terms of adversity, um, I'm kind of weird when it comes to this, because I think you definitely do have adversity. Like we all have adversities in our lives. We have things that stand in the way of getting to where we want to be. Um, but I think so many people have a spastardized sense of like what adversity is or struggle, you know, people go to the gym and they'll go on the grind time to grind or like, uh, struggle or what, what struggles real well, like shut the fuck up dude like you choose to do these things we choose to put ourselves in these situations or like uh grinding through the work week well you choose to have the job you have you should be thriving through your fucking work week not grinding through your work week so um just and not that I'm against that because we all do have things we have pl- times and places in our lives that the majority of us are not where we want to be at and we see that as a struggle or a grind and instead or adversity and realizing that adversity is just something that's challenging you to elevate your game and step it up that much more and to you it's a struggle it's a grind because you don't want to do that it's like an indian run i remember doing fucking indian runs in high school and it's like you're always trying, like all right run slower run slower to the guy in front of you because if everybody does it together and it, what it turns into and we do this in our fucking lives every aspect it's like we pull the next person down because not because we actually don't think they're that great or Uh, anything. It's because we want to be better than that. Except we're like, man, I don't want to put in the work to get there. Like they took a lot of risks. They took a lot of challenges to, they overcame listening to people talk shit about them, make fun of them, uh, whatever. I don't want to go through that. So it's so much easier to just pull those people down instead of us trying to raise up. But dude, when you realize that's never going to get you anywhere, it's all completely arbitrary. Like we, we bring people down in our lives in hopes of elevating ourselves. And that doesn't make any sense at all because it doesn't actually elevate us. We stay stagnant and stationary It's that we're moving other people around. So it doesn't actually do anything for us. You're not elevating yourself. You're manipulating the game.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to look at it. How do you – so when people start going off of what you just said, I want to keep elaborating on that because I think it's a really good point. I know you're very strong with everything that you do say, and that's super respectful. I, I love that about you, man, and that's exactly why – um, you kind of came out of my radar and I'm like, dude, who is this dude? He speaks 100% truth as much as he can. And I know you live by it. I see it every day. You know, you've even, you've even like DM me before and so a couple of days that like I've been in the shit, you know, and you gave me a couple videos a while back It really fucking put some things in perspective for me. Cause I wasn't thinking the way that I should have been thinking when, when we try to pull people down like that, like even your friends and your closest ones around you, even a loved ones, brother, sis, doesn't matter who the hell it is. When they, you know, we throw around this word, too. I throw around this word, too. I'm super guilty. The whole Gary V quote is like audit your circle at all times, you know? Keep the people around you that can actually lift you up, you know? And then, and that's not just about keeping people around you that's positive. It's people that are trying to level up with you, and they want to see you succeed as well. Why, even your friends, dude, why do your friends try to always, what, what's your take on this? Are your friends always try to take you down a notch, and you have to kind of walk away from them or kind of say like, hey, dude, what the fuck's up? Like, why have you been acting this way towards me ever since I did made this move? like are you a jealous thing or anything like that like do you feel like it's more of a jealous thing? like I just had someone walk out of my life after after a year um a friend of mine and nothing just ghost nothing and as soon as I started making all these moves I kind of feel like was I leaving you behind that I not include you should I have included you like talk a little bit about that and how you think people actually do that and what's your prerogative about why people do that
1: um first of all I think this topic is something that plagues everybody it plagues and I mean like I try to speak very lightly in the term you ever using the term entrepreneur, just cause it's kind of overused and it's become super bastardized. But to me, everybody's an entrepreneur. You're everybody's literally an entrepreneur, in your own life. Uh, and that's, and I say that because I don't care. It has nothing to do with business. It has nothing to do with, um, you know, your, how much money are you making or do you answer to a boss or do you work a nine to five? Like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the mindset of being an entrepreneur because when you're an entrepreneur, your back's against the wall all the time. You don't have anyone else to go to, you know, you can be a manager, you can be an uh, executive manager, you can get the very top, but you always have somebody else to fall back on. And when we have that, it's like, we always have a fallback plan. And when you don't have that anymore, when you're the one in charge, when you're the boss, when it doesn't matter again, whose fault it is that it's your responsibility to fix it because it's not about a blame game at that point, because if you don't fix it, like you're the one that's going to eat the shit for it. um, You know, when you're able to actually change that mindset and you take that into every aspect of your life and you know, it's what Will Smith's big talk is about is like, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. It's about up to you to take the responsibility to change it. If you take that mindset into every aspect of your life, whether it's fitness, it doesn't matter if so-and-so gave me a bad workout. It doesn't matter if I hired a wrong coach. It doesn't matter if I want to eat this or I want to do this, or I saw this on Instagram and like, like, like fuck all that stuff. I don't care what your fucking background is. I don't care what your eating disorder is. I don't care what this is. Doesn't fucking matter. Not because I'm insensitive to it, but you're going to end up with the same exact result every single time, unless you take the responsibility to change those things. So when you do that, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And when you change that in any aspect of your life, let's say the five, like I break life down into five, aspects. It's, you know, business. So it's your finances, your, uh, intimate relationships. So your personal relationships, your family and friends relationships, uh, your spirituality. So not like woo woo and religion necessarily, but just your ability to understand your place in the universe. Um, and the last one, um, being your fitness, um, when you change anything in those aspects, you're going to do the exact same in every other aspect. of you're like, whether you subliminally know it or you directly know it. So when you do that in an aspect, let's say business, you're going to start changing and auditing your friendships so much differently. And when you do that, other people aren't going to understand how to handle it, but you're going to feel the result of it. You're going to see that I made this change in business. And because of that, I had success and I felt good. And it's like this natural high you get you know, you, you have these endorphins come over you every time you see, you know, the, the sales come through on whatever you're selling, or, um, maybe in a relationship, you change an aspect and you take responsibility for an argument and, it, and it's better. And you have this endorphins come over you because you can feel like, not that I'm in charge, but like, dude, like we're good. Everything's good. And I was able to control that as opposed to being a victim of it. Um, but when it comes to friendships. People don't know how to interpret that because friendships are based on, and a lot of times actual relationships or intimate relationships will suffer the same way because people know you in one regard and the way they know you is the way they want to keep you. They categorize it. They compartmentalize you as this kind of person in your life. Like, this is the person that I'm going to go get beers and pizza with on a Tuesday night. Um, and then when you try to change and say, you know what, I'm sick of being a fat ass. I want to change my life. So you start trying to change these things. That person is going to try and pull you down because they're going to try and make you continue to go be that person that they identify with in their life. They don't know, they don't understand you as the fitness person. They don't understand you as the person that's trying to change their life for the better, be healthier, be able to see their toes. When they look down over their belly, Um, they go, this is my person that I, I go get wings with. So when you quit being that, they go, I don't know who you are as a person. I don't know who you are as an individual and that's what happens in relationships. That's why they try to pull you down. It's not, they're trying to pull you down and they're going, I don't like who you are. They're going, you don't fit the story, the character that I have you written into in my story. And because of that, like, I I don't know how to respond to you. I don't know how to act to it. But I experienced this when I went from being the dude that'd go out and rip 25 shots of crown a night, eat four or five Chipotle burritos. And it was like funny to like, I was like the life of the party. And I experienced this so much because I was running the bar at the time when I kind of changed my whole like lifestyle. I, I was sick of waking up with a hangover every day. I was sick of the nerves on the back of my neck feeling like I could feel them tingling because of how much Red Bull I was drinking with vodka every single night. Um, I was sick, my body hurting every day, never getting enough sleep, never feeling rested ever. And personally, I realized that my outward appearance wasn't representing the way I actually felt on the inside about myself. And when I realized that I changed a lot of things and I changed them drastically. And I had so many people that were like, dude, who are you? Like, you're not like, like, this is so fake. This is phony. And I wasn't even using social media at this time. So it wasn't like a social media thing. It was like, you're not the person that I, of the character that I have you written in, in my story. And because of that, like, I don't like you anymore. Like, you're just not the same person, but I stuck with it long enough. And I, and I was at a point where I was like, fuck this. Like, you're not going to change. You're not going to deter me. Like if anything, you're going to change if you want to be a part of this. Um, So I stuck with it and I, and slowly but surely those same people were like two months, three months in, they're like, fuck man, like you're looking a lot different. Like you're losing weight. Like you seem happier, but you're not even drinking and you're happy. And then I had people that would bartend right next to me that we'd rip shots together. One of my uh, very good girlfriends, she, um, you know, she had quit drinking altogether. And because of that, she picked up a different vice of smoking weed and, she had gone like three years without smoke or without drinking. And so she'd been like, I think gained weight as opposed to what she was used to. And I stuck with her long enough. She was like, I'm going to try yoga. And because of that, she tried yoga and now she's done yoga nonstop every single day for like the last six years. Uh, she's now a yoga instructor. This totally transformed her life. And she's actually worked her way out of bartending. Now she's a yoga instructor. Um, I had another buddy that kind of did the exact same thing. And he was, sorry about that. And he was, um, I think 35 years old when he made that change, and now he's healthy. And he's you know he went from feeling like he had to be the bar guy because he'd literally done worked in a bar since he was 19 years old. He didn't really know much else. He started a t-shirt company. Now he's doing a t-shirt company, and he had never traveled before because he'd been screwed over in a relationship. He lost a lot of money, so he saved up his money. And guess what? He travels everywhere now. He travels everywhere. He has a successful t-shirt company, and he barely works in a bar anymore. Uh, and that's the thing is that. I can say from me personally, like he and I aren't even as good of friends anymore because again, we're both different than who we were when we were the great friends. We both have the same values, the same morals. You know, we care about each other in a very good friendship sense, but it's like, it's just, it doesn't fit the same way. Uh, So I don't think it's so much that people want to see you fail. It's that they don't want you to raise the bar so much that they have to step up that much. And every time you raise the bar and you continue to raise the bar, you're essentially calling them out without doing it. And that's why the, that like, this is why I hate memes. I hate like, um, like cliche, like fitness sayings and stuff like be a lion, you know, struggle is real, grind time, all this shit. Cause they, it's not that they suck. It's that they don't elaborate far enough. It's not fuck what everyone else says. It's that if you were to focus on that, you wouldn't make any change. Like you wouldn't change yourself and then you wouldn't be happy. But if you're able to say, forget what everyone else is saying around me, forget all the noise, you're gonna end up changing their life also because they're gonna need to step up because you're gonna make them have no other option other than to step up because you're indirectly calling them out every day. I'm pointing out all of your insecurities, I'm pointing out all your weaknesses just by doing it myself. You know you can do these things. You know everybody listening to this, everybody in the world knows they're capable of a higher version of themselves all the time. And they always know. And it's what eats the fuck away at them every single day. when you go to that job. It's not that you so much hate that job. It's that you know you're capable of doing a job that you love and you know that it's in you. And a lot of times we just don't know how to find it. We don't know how to, man, I know I got something I'm passionate about. I don't know what it is. So what do we do? We just wait. And we're like, man, it'll come to me eventually. Hopefully it comes to me. Hopefully a light will switch. Dude, you got to do shit. You got to try something. You got to go somewhere. We all want everything to be perfect before we take a leap, before we leave a job, a career. And I totally understand that. I understand, you know, when you make sure you're taken care of, but at some point you just got to jump and build your fucking parachute on the way down. Otherwise you are never, ever, ever going to get there. You know, if I would have six, seven years ago when I was still bartending and managing bars, if I would have gone, looked at myself now and what I'm doing, I'd been like, dude, I have no idea how I would ever get to that. But I didn't start where I am now. I started training clients, going one-on-one. And because of that, I evolved into me being like, you know, I don't really enjoy telling people sets and reps as much as that is using fitness as a Trojan horse to get deeper into their lives about their relationships and all the things that are really bothering them. And because of that, um, and then, you know, my grandmother getting older and me realizing I was training clients, you know, from 4 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day, and then bartending from essentially 9 p.m. to 4 a.m. on the weekends. I was never getting home. I only lived two hours away from my family. I was missing out on all these things. So because of that, I moved my business to online. So I was doing online fitness coaching, and I was like, I'm still doing the thing of telling people sets of reps, and I actually lost that ability to interact with them further and use it as a Trojan horse into their lives because now I don't have that face-to-face interaction. I'm literally just sending them sets of reps, and now I'm doing this. So then it evolved into, let me just change the entire platform. Let me change the entire outlay of it So I'm actually interacting with them. How am I going to do that? We need to keep it personal. Uh, I was watching every other fitness coach and coaches in general. They do voice memos or emails. I'm like, that's so not personal. There's nothing. You can't hear the tonality in your voice. You don't know where you're going for. And I'm like, the things I want to work with them on are so much deeper. And I started doing these videos every single day, uh, my morning rants. And I kind of... I was like, how can I transform this or, or transition this into a, a program, like a coaching program and actually work with people? Because of the messages I was getting from people in response to those, I was like, dude, I could do this shit with people on a personal basis. So I was like, God, it's 2018, last year at this point. I was like, why don't we use technology? So literally, <laughs> instead of worrying about mass producing things, I was like, why don't I work with clients on a much more personal level? Everything we're going to do is going to be through either video, FaceTime, or sending, essentially sending videos back and forth uh we can hear tonality, we can hear exactly what's going on with people. And dude, it was one of the biggest and best things I've ever done. And it's kind of where I've transitioned it into now.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I think the uh, the cool thing about what you said too is like it's almost like we get comfortable in our own skin, right? And from through that, from not stepping up to the plate or, you know, not trying to level up, like we get so damn comfortable. But with that, with being comfortable, like the plethora of problems that can happen with that, right? I feel like we should always like I always, I always preach like 1% better, like just be 1% better than yesterday, every day, just 1% better. And I feel like stepping up and, uh, there's just more changes that come with leveling up. It's not just to, if, if I, you know, called you out and, and you want to, you want to raise the bar and we kind of do this thing, this thing, this thing, it's like, we're both becoming better. But how do you feel about like, we need to, for our own sake, not be comfortable at all. Do you feel like, I mean, if that's your jam and you want to be comfortable, that's cool. That's fine. If that's what you want to do and you really don't, you're not on the same page that Grant and I are talking about, like things like that, like stepping up, you're like, ah, fuck it. You know, some, there's people out there just say, fuck it. And they're going to do this for the next 50, 60, 70 years of their life. And that's fine. You know, that's, that's your jam. I get it. But stepping up, leveling up, like, like you just said, where would you have been if you stayed where you were at? You know, like where would you be today? Like, you don't know, you probably be doing the same shit. Like if change doesn't happen, How can we make that that extreme ownership of that change, like having that ownership, taking that step up? Like, how important is that for everyone to be wanting to be that one percent better every day?
1: Um, I think the concept of like being getting like get comfortable with being uncomfortable has become completely bastardized. Also, with that whole aspect of like be uncomfortable, like, um, and and it kind of goes back to a lot of a lot of different things. And this is where I think there is so many issues. And let's just focus on the fitness industry. Let's say that because it's, I think it's such an easy metaphor for every industry, for every aspect of people's lives, things they can talk about. Um, you see a lot of older people, like a lot of older strength coaches and stuff, when they see foam rolling and uh, stretching and, and dynamic warmups or activation and stuff like that, they're like, what the fuck is that? That's stupid. Like, we didn't have to do that back in my day. Yeah, well, you also can't fucking piss without your kneecap hurting and falling over and having to hold on to something. And that's cool. And I commend you. And it's not me, uh, dogging them. It's just, you see that so much. And it's because we get stuck in what we know and we go, like, this is the only way we need to do. And anything that seems pampering or better or more conventional, well then you're a pussy. You, you don't go hard enough. You need to go hard. You need to be uncomfortable if you're not uncomfortable. So this is all it is. Let's say fitness. What's uncomfortable is that in order to see massive results, you have to, uh, it's not that you have to be uncomfortable. It's that you have to, uh, create or, or, or push the threshold so much to create enough to create adaptation. That's not comfortable. Okay. So it's not that you have to be uncomfortable and we all focus on, uh, you have to be uncomfortable to get this. It's not that you have to be uncomfortable. You have to challenge your, your stimulus or the stimulus you're training strong enough, heavy enough, um, to a point where you are creating adaptation. So that's all I did, and this is, you know, let's talk muscle confusion. You know, people go into the gym, like, oh, I'm gonna do a different workout every single day uh, because I have to confuse my muscles. Well, first of all, that's not a thing. Um, second of all, it's like, it just, it's, it's, it's kind of mind blowing because there's so many different aspects to manipulate confusing the muscle, I guess. you It's not that, you have to manipulate the tension, you have to manipulate the load, you have to manipulate uh, the challenge to yourself, and you can do that through better form. You can do that through different tension lines. Uh, you can do that through better technique. You can do that through more weight. Um, so there's a, all different ways, but ultimately <laughs> I think what happens is that when you do that and you learn those things, it becomes training smarter. So you're training smarter. And when you're training smarter, then you add the intensity in which is training harder and being more uncomfortable. Like, no, it's not going to be comfortable to tear your muscles down. But the problem is where people get confused is they go, I have to be so uncomfortable. And as long as I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to create this adaptation. That's not necessarily the case. If you don't know how and what you're doing, I can drop a plate on my foot, break my toe. And guess what? I'm pretty uncomfortable and I'm in the gym. That doesn't mean I'm going to have any sort of progress. I'm not going to see any massive uh, physical results. Um, so train smart and then you can train hard. So I would say learn what it is you're trying to do and then push your thresholds put you have to have a basis you have to have a basis in any aspect of your life in business you know people go well i'm going to make myself uncomfortable by staying up and only sleeping 2 hours a night okay well that doesn't mean anything yeah you're uncomfortable you're also unproductive as fuck like you're not going to be able to do anything you're not even going to be able to hold conversations you're not going to make sense because your brain's going to be so jacked up because you've been you're so sleep deprived but we do this. We, we focus on the external in so many aspects of our lives. And because we focus on the external, we focus on making the external uncomfortable. And if you make the external uncomfortable, we assume it's going to deem results. However, we always do that. And then what happens is like, again, look at fitness. You bust your body up when you're young because we're like, oh, external, heavier weight, more, more load, all these things. And then what happens? You get in your 30s and 40s and people are like, okay, well, that doesn't matter as much. Let's focus on how we move the weight. Why? Because their knees are shot, their back's fucked up. They've had surgeries. They've done all these things. So what if we, from the beginning, focused on creating a basis of knowledge, a basis of comfortability, let yourself be comfortable with it because you have to be comfortable or you have to be in a state of comfortability to be willing to try things, to understand what's happening to your body, to understand your kinesiology, to understand what's actually going on, the internal workings. And once you have that, then you can go from there. Everybody wants to go, they want to be at the top of the summit without starting at the bottom. And again, like Simon Sinex has a perfect, we're all standing at the bottom and we see the summit and none of us want to make that climb. We're all like, I just, I just want to be there. Like, it doesn't matter if you take a helicopter. It doesn't matter if you sprint up. It doesn't matter if you crawl up. It doesn't matter if it takes you one year, or if it takes you 10 years, you still have to start at the bottom and move your way up that to reach that summit. And everyone's just hoping for that summit to fall down to them. They're like, well, I'm just going to start here. So they don't actually have that basis. Um, So I think it's okay to be comfortable. You have to be comfortable in what you're doing. Um, And people look at challenges or adversity or making yourself uncomfortable as an external thing. Like I have to physically make my body uncomfortable or I have to sleep deprive myself so much where I'm uncomfortable. Is it uncomfortable waking up at 430 when I'm used to waking up at 8 a.m.? Yeah, that's a little uncomfortable at first, but that's also where the discipline comes in. Like you have to, it's not so much uh, make yourself uncomfortable about Maybe start out small. Instead of waking up at 4.30, still wake up at 8 a.m. But instead of rolling over and picking up your cell phone first, maybe the uncomfortable thing is to not touch any technology for the first half hour and read a book, meditate, uh, take a cold shower. Those are just some of the things I do first thing in the morning. That's uncomfortable to do because it's like you literally want to do it because we have an addiction to our phones. Like anybody listening to this dude, challenge you for the first 20 to 30 minutes every single morning, do not touch your phone. Do not touch your remote. Don't get on any technology. Do some introspective work on yourself. Something small. Read a book. Read a chapter. Read a page. I read every single day, and it might be a page. It might be a sentence. It might be an entire uh, book. I, like, I'll, I'll go as long as I need until I find something that sticks out to me. And then I typically share that. Uh, but, you know, beyond that, those are the things that are uncomfortable. Uncomfortable doesn't have to be grinding and making your life miserable because it it becomes this thing where – we're like, man, I'm so uncomfortable. Why do I not see the results? You know, I'm, I didn't want to fire that person, but I did it. I'm uncomfortable now. Why is my business not booming? Well, it's because you didn't focus on the internal processes going on within your business. And guess what? Now you have a horrible business culture and everyone's fearing for their job. So nobody's working for you. And in fact, they're stealing from you. That's why your business is declining. Uh, we look at our relationships, like we focus on the external, like, oh man, like, you know, she was a bitch today. So like, but I'm going to be the bigger man and make myself uncomfortable and suck it up and deal with it and, and, and suppress my feelings. Well, what's even more uncomfortable. Let's have that hard conversation. Let's get things going right. Uh, because we keep doing this over and over and over. We make ourselves uncomfortable instead of doing the true thing. That's uncomfortable. Um, and What happens? You go six months and you go, Hey honey, we passed this all. And then she looks at me and she goes, you fucked up my life. And you're like, wait, what, where did that come from? And it's because it's a compound of all these things. So, When you look at the uncomfortability that we all face now, typically most of us, if you look at anything going on in your life you're like, man, this aspect of my life just sucks and it's uncomfortable, look back to where you didn't do the things that you actually should have done and you took a shortcut. Now you're facing physical uncomfortability, financial uncomfortability, emotional uncomfortability because you weren't willing to just push yourself and challenge yourself a little bit on the internal
0: processes. Man, it's amazing that you you put it all like like that because it goes back to how you like to work with people on the mindset and actually like point, point out things to them. And that's kind of like where you want to change people. And what you're saying now is those hard conversations and how you broke it down, how everything's about that hard conversation, the hard conversation, truth with yourself, hard conversation with your loved one, your spouse, your best friend. Like you need to dive into those things. You need to, to talk those hard things. And that is change. And the growth comes from that. I love how you put it. Like, I don't want to say easily because it's not easy, but the way you said it, it's like, fuck, we really focus on, like you said, the external stuff, really focus on the shit we shouldn't focus on when this stuff's kind of right here. Like, remember me, like come, come fix it. Don't just go to the next day and not and forget about it. Sleep underneath the rug. until one day just everything explodes in your face.
1: Well, let's break it down like this. And it's a really, I think it'd be a really easy, tangible way for people to understand it so much better. Uh, and it's, you know, and one, I attribute Ben Pakalski with, uh, literally my first workout, he and I ever hit together. I think we were doing like bicep curls or something. And, Ben, for those of you who don't know who Ben is, Ben was in Generation Iron. Uh, He was one of the top bodybuilders in the world for a really long time. Massive dude, he was 300 plus pounds, would walk around, at he'd go on stage at below four or 5% body fat. Um, And there's actually a couple of really cool things that I've taken away from Ben, but one of them was the idea of true hypertrophy training um, and the aspect of focusing on an internal process as opposed to the external result. Um, and, and we do this as athletes and for anybody that's never played sports or whatever, just bear with us is think about a squat. We, we go, I know I need to put a bar on my back and I need to put weight, as much weight as I can on the bar and I need to sit my ass down and then I need to stand back up. So if you're a powerlifter, it goes, I need to sit down to at least 90 degrees and then I need to get back up. Or what do we all, the boys in the gym, Oh, ass to grass, go lower, 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 lower. Okay. That's cool. But you stand back up. Let's see. A couple years ago, I was squatting 650 pounds, and I still had like, for being a, a a decently larger guy, I didn't really have big legs. I had kind of small legs, and I was like, "What the fuck is the deal with this?" And after meeting Ben, and we talked a little bit about stuff. We, as athletes, or as people in general, we focus on the external. All I know is I need to sit down and stand up. If I do that, I'm going to be strong. If I'm strong, I'm going to have muscle growth. Um, and what happens is, is what we don't focus on is how am I doing that? How am I making that work? Uh, we do it in business. We go, I want to make $5 million this year. I want my business to make $5 million this year. We hit our quota. What you don't focus on is the fact that you actually made $4 million, but you had to fire your four top executives who each make 250000 each because you were so focused on hitting that $5 million. Now, what happened? You set a horrible culture. Like I said earlier, through your business, everyone's kind of fending for themselves and they don't know. And now you don't have the staff to actually even make that 4 million next year, as opposed to sacrificing some of the numbers for the people. Um, and we do it in relationships. Everybody wants to have like the perfect looking relationship on social media, but we don't actually focus on what is our actual relationship. How are things working within our relationship? So we focus on the external. Uh, but the way I think everybody could truly understand this is we focus on fixing symptoms instead of causes um if you have a knot in your neck what do we do it's like oh my god i need to go get a massage and like we have our boyfriend or girlfriend massage our neck a lot well first of all that knot a muscle spasm that stuff is there because it's tightening up to protect a muscle or an imbalance or something you did somewhere the way you moved so that's not the actual issue that is a result of something else somewhere else You push on that knot, what does that do? It recognizes there's more trauma. So it feels good. We feel it in the moment. We feel the pain there. We go, oh, so it must be happening where like something must be getting better because I can feel it right where it hurts. Okay, that's great. But what happens afterwards? That tightens up that much more because it's trauma to it. So it's spasming. It's helping it out. It's trying to protect your body that much more. When in all reality, it was coming from a completely different part of your body. You have a knot in your neck, but it's actually stemming from your left hip and a I mean, I experienced this actually in, while I was playing football, I tore my right hamstring and I kept popping it over and over and I'd get all this work done on it. I'd get acupuncture, I'd get deep tissue treatment on it, all this stuff. And I kept tearing it only to find out it was actually because my left hip flexor was so tight. So opposite, opposite leg, opposite plane. So instead of the back, right, it was my front left that was causing it. As soon as I started working on that, stretching that, guess what? It went away and I quit tearing and I quit having the issues. And that was the cause. And we focus on symptoms instead of causes because it seems tangible. It seems it's right there. It's hard to figure out where the actual cause is. The symptoms easy to find. I can feel it. I can, I have a cut. It's right here. I f- touch it. I feel it. What's hard to figure out is, Oh, it's because it's coming from my fucking vein and my artery or whatever. Um, but so what I encourage people to do is if you really want to figure out problems in your life, if you want to get to having actual results, Start focusing on every time you feel pain in any aspect of life, whether physical, mental, emotional, don't focus on that. Just look at that as like, almost like a red flag. Look at that and be like, it's trying to distract me. Where is this stemming from? And when you can figure out where it's stemming from, then you can actually figure out what the cause or what the cure is for that cause. And, you know, it's like, you know, does anyone ever want to be told they have cancer? Absolutely not. Nobody ever wants to hear that. So we avoid it. We or any illness or sickness. So that's why we don't go to the doctor. We don't want to be told how bad it is. I'd rather just think it's a cold, but guess what? You might have stage four lung cancer and you're taking Advil hoping, man, I hope this cures my cough. Well, you're never going to have it. It's never, you're going to mentally feel better. You're going to have peace of mind, but only when you go and you face that hard conversation with the doctor Are you going to find out what the actual causes of your issues and then you can find a cure for it? It sucks, but that's the only place you can start with the cure. And so many of us are at points in our lives where we're scared to start over. We think it's starting over. If we face the actual tunes, if we face what the actual issues are and yeah, you are, but where are you right now? You're nowhere. And we go, well, at least I don't know what it is. So I can pretend that I'm successful. I can pretend that I'm happy. I can pretend that I'm in a happy relationship. I can pretend that I'm wealthy. Well, no dude, you're not. I've, I've, I was making $25,000 a month a long time ago. And guess what? I was super unhappy. And then I was completely broke. And guess what? I was the happiest I'd ever been. I never would have thought that. It was because it was a mental thing that I was playing with myself and I didn't know the difference. And only when I was faced with that, and I was able to strip away all the non-essentials in life and all the things that I thought made me who I was, was I able to actually achieve true happiness.
0: What makes you think hundred percent every team? just said, what makes you think about why do we cover things up so much? Why do we, go outside or show the, the good quote unquote, my fingers in the air, guys, you can't see the, the, the good relationship on Instagram and Facebook. Like, why are we so fucking good at blanketing everything and coming home and just kicking the dog across the room? Like what, in your opinion, kind of what stems from that? Like, why, why do we go about doing that? And just, we're not just lying to the fucking world because it cares about the world right now. It's like, you're lying to yourself. How is that? You're going to come home. You're going to get in a fight. With whoever's, whoever's on the opposite side of the door, when you come home, you're going to get in a fight with them. I don't care who you are. I mean, you're, you're putting this facade of your life out there. You're taking zero responsibility. Like, why do we blanket so much of our fucking lives these days? Man, it's getting worse. I feel like it's getting worse. I don't know.
1: Um, well, I think, I think it's a compound effect and it feeds off of everything else. We get caught up on what is David down the street who's posted a new car, uh, who has this super successful job. Uh, like, like, I have to keep up with that. And if I'm trying to keep up with that, so I have to, I have to, I can't let them know that I had a bad month this month. And because of that, I have to suppress that. So I have to, I have to cover it up somehow. So I think as, and I'm assuming we're talking a little bit more in terms of social media. Um, we, you know, it's easy to create whatever kind of avatar we want of the person that we wish we were, or the person we wish we could be, or the lifestyle we want. Like you literally can do it. It's like a video game. It's like, it's like you can pick your character, you can pick what they wear, how they look, their strengths, their weaknesses, all these things. So we get to put it out there, and we can now do that on social media. There's filters, there's all these things. Okay, but then what do you see? You see people who create this image of themselves on social media, and then they have total panic attacks. I see it all the time, because I just lived in Columbus. The Arnold was there all the time. You would see people on social media that portrayed themselves as one way, and then you'd see them in person, or you'd see them at the gym when they're in town, these fitness people and they're complete assholes, or they're totally different, or they're, they're so standoffish, and it's not that they're assholes, it's that they're so insecure, they're uncomfortable, they don't know how to do the face-to-face thing, they, anybody, we can be anything we want when there's a computer screen between us, when I have time to sit down and type out a, a message, I can make it come across exactly, how well. I can edit it, I can change things, it's a lot harder in real time when I now set this expectation of who I am, that's not really who you are, um, you know, I've had somebody in my life, uh, you know, it was a business partner, um, who I actually witnessed this happen, like kind of like in real time. And it was, you know, I think it was the loss of feeling like he had any significance, you know, he was a big time football player and, Next thing you know, he didn't have that anymore. And because of that, I think he didn't see his worth anywhere else. And it's where we put our worth into. It's where we see our worth. Um, And this is what I tell people all the time. If you put your self-worth into your net worth, that's all you're ever going to be. If, if you think you're only as valuable as however much your bank account shows, that's all you're ever going to be. If you go, I have to have abs 24 seven, because that's what I put on social media. And that's what, that, that's the only worth anyone's ever going to see in you. So it's where you put your value that other people are going to see your value. And you know, no, no, this is what people want to no It doesn't fucking matter because guess what? Those people don't have those abs. Those people don't have that car. Those people don't have that life. Fucking David down the street rented that car and was bullshitting you about how much success he has. But it's this compound effect going up. I don't know if he's telling the truth or not. So I better just keep up with it either way. It doesn't fucking matter. Be yourself. Be yourself. There's only one of you. Nobody gives a fuck. like you, Nobody goes out and buys the exact same two pairs of pants. Unless it's like, you have a really hard time. Like, okay, I say that, but like, I bought the, I found a pair of pants I like. I'll probably buy a couple of pairs to make sure I, I always have them. But um, you know what I mean? Like you find a car you like, you don't go out and buy two of them. Right. Why, why would you buy two of them? You have one, you don't need a second one. Um, and that's how, what we do is we, we try to replicate each other. We see something that's successful. And instead of drawing the principles and the values that made that person successful or that we idolize in them or that we see positive in them, we just try replicating that person. But everything about that person doesn't line up with our values, our morals, our beliefs. Maybe I like the way you run your business, but I don't like the way you handle your relationship. But because I'm trying to replicate the way you run business, I'm also replicating the way you run your relationship. And now my relationship is failing. And it's like, dude, look at everything around you. Look at everyone. Look at everyone on social media as a toolkit, essentially. Like you can take the bits and pieces that you need and add it into your own thing. And I always tell people to think of like, I don't know. I don't even know if it's out anymore, but Power Rangers back in the day, like it would take the best parts of each character and they'd create this ultimate fucking mega fighting machine. Okay. And that's essentially what the concept behind is if a teacher is good, the student will be better is like, you should be able to take the bits and pieces of all the teachers around you of all the things you like and people go on social media. If you take the top 10 accounts you follow all the time or that you like all the time, you're like, Oh my God, I wish I was like them. Take and look at what the attributes are. Write those attributes down. Now, be like, how can I implement this into my life in the way that I do it? Do that. Make the ultimate version of yourself, not the ultimate version of somebody else. It's already there. It's already being done. They, they can scale themselves. You can't scale somebody else. And that's what I preach in business all the time is you have to be yourself. You have to show up to your own business. Like You have to show up to your own relationship. You can't try and be somebody else because you don't know what's coming next. You're always It's like you're always looking at somebody's handbook write your own handbook.
0: It's for yourself. That's a hit. When you said your are uh, one of your, one of your buddies, I don't know if you're still friends with them or not, but with playing football and kind of feels like insignificant or I didn't have anything outside of football, uh, outside of football. And then you also said right before that um, how it's not really too late to start to do anything. Like you should never really be scared to, you know, do anything. If you want to have a business, you can work on, on the side when you come home and, and things like that. But what's something that what's a really good point that people can understand? Like, it is okay to start when you're 30, 35, 40, to do something that you do truly love down the road. And it isn't just about lining your, your pockets with money. Because I mean, like, once again, if that's your thing, touche, go for it. It's not mine. You know, it, it's second, it's super meaningless to me. We talked about that before the podcast even started, you asked me how I was doing. And I said, work is hard. And I love everything right now. Cause I have a roof over my head. And you're like, at the end of the day, that's all we fucking, that's all we need. Honestly, like there's no one else that's going to that's gonna be in control of what you do and is going to pay those bills for you. At the end of the day, like we have to step up and we have to do what we do. We have to be happy with what we do. And you said it too, and you're in, in your life, how you had, you had money. And then when money was gone, then you were like, fuck, I'm like happy just being right here. Like I'm good with myself with that. What's something you can tell, you know, people right off the bat, like a really good actionable item. Like it's okay to start at any fucking age, like get out of that rut first and take that first step.
1: Um, there was a, uh, a podcast I listened to a couple of months ago, I think it was by Ed Milet actually. And the man, he said, essentially he's like the root of all unhappiness in life is comparison is comparing yourself. It's like everything is anytime you're unhappy in life, it's cause you're comparing and it's like, well, what about when a loved one dies? Well, it's still comparing, you're comparing the way you feel now as opposed to when they were alive. Um, you know, you see someone doing something one way and you compare where you are, you compare your financial success, you compare how, where you are in life at this point, what do we all do? We look at people like I'm almost 33 and I can look at people that are in their twenties and you know, they're entrepreneurs and they're having tons of success and they're doing all these amazing things. And I'm like, I can compare and go, fuck man, when I was 20 years old, I was just trying to figure out where the best gym to go was so I could go play football afterwards. And, you know, I wasn't worried about any of this kind of stuff. And then I go, man, like if I had the mindset I did now at age 33, I would have been so much more further ahead Well, it. I can't do anything about that. I can't go back to when I was 20 years old and guess what? I have experiences from when I was 20 years old that those people are never going to have. And it doesn't matter. It's not about, it's not a comparison game. It's wherever you are right now. And that it's that saying of, you know, uh, what is it a year from now you're going to wish that you started today. It's we, we're always like, man, we're, too old. Well, this is as far as you've ever been. This is as old as you've ever been. So, yeah, you feel fucking old and you feel like you've lost your whole life and like, oh man, like it's way too late to start now. Guess what? 20 more years from now, you're going to go, man, I didn't realize how long I actually had. You know, I'm 33. Hopefully, I want to live to be at least 100. Like, why not? So, um, that means I have it like another 70 years almost. Like, it's not even half time for us, man. <laughs> exactly. So, Why would I pull up short now? Like, I don't know where I'm going to be 10 years from now. I don't know what I'm going to be doing 10 years from now. I could also step outside tomorrow and die. So it doesn't fucking matter. Just go do what you got to do. Because here's the only thing at the end of the day, I don't care if you're 70 years old or you're seven years old. If you're on your deathbed and you haven't at least tried to work at the things you want. See, this is where everyone gets confused. They think happiness and fulfillment comes from once you achieve something. It's not, it's progressing towards it. So if you're 70 years old and you go, dude, there's no way I'm going to be able to accomplish X in, let's say I live another 10 years. um, There's no way I'm going to be able to accomplish that. Yeah, but you're going to be working towards it. And guess what? You're going to die happy as opposed to 10 years from now, maybe you're dying at the age of 80. You're like, God, I wish I would have just tried. You never know. Just go. You have no idea what's possible. Like I had no idea that this was possible six, seven years ago when I started training clients. Like I had no idea but it's where it's evolved to. But if my mindset would have been on this right now, seven years ago, I would have been like, I want this now. I got to do it now. I has to be now. And if I'm not, I'm not successful. Well, I was successful where I was then. And I was successful along the entire path because my, my idea of what success was, was learning along the way and progressing into whatever I'm going to be. And that's one of the greatest things that I think I've ever learned. If there's an actionable step for people to take away from this, it's literally, I say it all the time. The more I learn, the less I know. And it's kind of, and if anything, that's a little bit more of a blanketed statement because it, it, it evolves so much for me. It started out as I think the way I was training when I trained with Ben, I thought I knew everything about training. I thought I knew how to train. And like that happened. I was like, Oh my God, what have I doing my whole life? Like literally for the last 16 years, I've been wasting my time in the gym when I could actually be achieving this. It's, so much of i learned that and i was like man maybe i don't know everything about fitness and as soon as i did that it, it was scary at first cuz i'm like wait maybe everything i think is bullshit and that's where everyone gets so nervous to ever admit they're wrong or admit they might not know everything about it it's scary because you feel like you're kind of a fraud and i felt like that plenty of times but what i realized is the most beautiful thing in the world because all of, if i thought i if, if i know everything if i think i know everything i'm not open to learning And if I'm not open to learning, I'm stagnant. I'm staying in the exact same place. Dude, I learn every single day. I learn from everything around me. I learn from the old guy standing on the street corner, the way he's talking, the things he says, his mindset, what he's talking about. Dude, I try to talk to literally every single person I come in contact with. I work out of coffee shops all the time. Dude, there is no cooler thing to do than to, um, especially down in South Florida, there's old retired people everywhere, um, (laughs) is you see them like you see these old guys, like four dudes always sitting at the same spot every morning, just talking about stuff, talk, swapping war stories. And literally the other day I started talking to this guy that was a world war II vet, like dude, like what a freaking honor. that was so cool. And I learned from him in that moment, like literally just him telling me, cause I said, I overheard their conversation. I literally just said to him like, thanks for your service. And he goes, that was a long time ago. I, what I learned from him in that moment, that's 80 years in the making. And in that moment, I was giving him credit for something and he was like, you know, it's not that big a deal. It's just what I did. And it's what I had to do. Like what I learned from that is like, sometimes you don't need to take credit for everything. Like it's so cool. But if I was like, I'm the man, I'm, I know everything. Why would I, what could I possibly learn from some old guy? Dude, I would never would have heard that, you know? And so the more you're able to humble yourself and keep your mouth shut and open your ears more, dude, the
0: more shit you're going to learn, you're going to be a wealth of knowledge. I think yeah, that's awesome dude. that. You can actually have that story from that, from that guy in the coffee shop. Um, I, I think, I believe hundred percent in that too, man. It's like, we're all here to learn. There's so much fucking knowledge out there on every single topic. We just like, Nope, this is my little thing. I know about this. I'm going to train this way. I'm going to do this for my nutrition coach, my nutrition coaching the same way with everybody. Cause I know it. this is the best way. It's like, okay. A fitness and nutrition. You'll never know everything. Mm-hmm. that science changes damn near every other month. You know what I'm saying? So you always have to keep reading up on that stuff, reading up in that stuff. And I love that you're open to that too. And I think that's the start of it too. Like a lot of people aren't open to that grant. A lot of people just, they kind of like shun it off. Like I don't need to learn or I don't need to do that. I don't need to read a book. I don't need to do those things like that. But it's like,
1: well, it's cause it's, it's vulnerability. It's vulnerability essentially in saying, I don't know something or I might not know it as good as something. And, um, we, by default, if it's this weird and it's totally natural that it happens that it's defense. It's if something is different than the way you're saying it, we're assuming it's opposing what we're saying, as opposed to maybe adding to it or adjusting it or like, hey, what do you think about this? We're just, we hear it and we're like, oh, no, fuck that. So, what do we do? We get defensive immediately. And as soon as we're defensive, we shut down and we go into this total defense mode uh, which from not wanting to learn or what, where do we know it's, it's from wanting to protect the fact that that's our credibility. That's our validity. That's, Hmm. you know, if somebody were to say, let's, okay, let's uh, talk about dieting, you know, people, you know, I have to eat boiled chicken and brown rice. And if I look at them and I go, no, it's, it's about calories. And yeah, there's micronutrients and there's all these other little things factored in. But if I say that, and this is me more so speaking to myself at the age of 25, because that's what I knew to be successful at that point. Uh, no, you have to eat healthy foods. You have to eat this and you have to eat like this and this bland shit and all this stuff. I can't lose weight by eating pizza. Well, yeah, you can. Well, it doesn't go with what I know to be true. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier. We all have a story we're telling ourselves and anything that doesn't go along with that story. It opposes our story and it doesn't make sense to us. So we have to become defensive of it. We, we, Everybody outside of yourself like and this is some people see this as like a pessimistic view. It's the reality of it we are all characters in somebody else's story and So essentially we're like pawns like I have to make you make sense in my story And that's where you will find friendships that you go like how how do you get that out of our friend? Like I spent ten years being your best friend and now this is what it is. It's because it's not against you It's nothing personal that person is making their story make sense and they just haven't taken the time to go. Okay, this is reality, or this isn't reality, or this is how I actually see it. Because your body, your brain is built to protect yourself. Like even your thoughts. So that's why it's so hard. Personal growth, development, all that shit to me is breaking down your bullshit in your life and the ability to introspectively look at yourself in real time. That's when you are able to do that. To me, that is you've you're you're starting to achieve personal development.
0: Where would you start? Where were, where's a couple? Of cool it's able where you would start for, um, to learn that like does meditation help you a lot with that, um, being by yourself and turning all this external shit off, just being by yourself and your own thoughts. Is that good? But some people are like, I, I can't focus that clearly. You know, I have to have the TV on or something like that, but we really need to take a step back and focus on learning that. What's a, what's a couple of good things you can tell some people about how do you start just learning that and being your story, make your journey make sense to you first and kind of accept who you are. And this is my path. This is what I'm going to do.
1: Um. Look at. Get a get a pen and a piece of paper. Old school. Sit down, and literally, like, and this is the problem. People are gonna hear this right now, and they're like, "Oh, sit down." Like, I can just do this. I'm "No, fuck that." Sit down with a pen and a piece of paper, and take like allot yourself twenty minutes, and say twenty minutes. Not and everyone then like, and I'm kind of explaining this as I go along because. People are now going to go, I don't need 20 minutes to do this. I got I other shit to do. No, you're going to get on Instagram and scroll through and like shit and see your girlfriend, your boy. Like, no, do 20 minutes for yourself. Fill your cup up. Take care of yourself before you're worried about everybody else. So it's just like on the airplane, like put your air mask on before you put on the person next to you because you can't help anyone if you're dead. So you have to literally help yourself before you're trying to help anybody else. So take 20 minutes, sit down, pen and a piece of paper. Think of in the last five years, the biggest blowout fight you've ever had. Don't analyze it. Just write down your thoughts on it. Really, really quick. Write down your thoughts on it really quick. Like a paragraph, two paragraphs, whatever. And then go back and read it. Reread it a couple times. And then start going through and analyzing what you said about that situation. Like maybe we got into a big fight because you were talking to my girlfriend five years ago and, and I didn't like the way you were doing it. And, and so you're a piece of shit and blah, 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 blah. And then really start breaking it down and look at yourself and go. Now, just totally hypothetically, and this is why I'm saying do it with a pen and a piece of paper, because if we were to talk about this with somebody, we would have to defend our story. We'd have to defend whatever's going on. This is just you with yourself. There's nobody else that's gonna find out about this. Flip the entire script on yourself, blame yourself and say, what was, how was this my fault? What did I do? And we're all gonna go, well, I didn't do anything. No, what's my fault in this? Maybe I had been cheated on in a relationship previously so I was more sensitive. I was more aware of it. Maybe I was writing a new story in my head that every girl's gonna cheat on me. And because of that, you were another man. I didn't see you as my best friend. I saw you as just another guy. So you were a threat. And because of that, I overreacted. And because of that, you it hurt, it bothered you and it totally threw you off because the story in your head was that we were best friends and that why would I ever think that of you? So you were offended, so you got heated, you talked some shit. And I'm defending my side and the the entire time, I think I'm totally justified in it because my girlfriend's trying to cheat on me with you. When all reality, that's not what's happening at all. And so what I'm telling you to do is blame yourself. How was this my fault? Why was this my fault? There is no other option, it's your fault. Take any issues you've had in the last 10 or five years and really put all the blame on yourself and see how it was your fault. And the easiest place to do this in is previous relationships. I've done this and it's like, oh my God, (laughs) like it's hard. It's not easy. And this is essentially what I do with my clients over the course of 12 weeks. I put all the responsibility back on them. I put all the blame back on them. And what happens is, is for the first couple of weeks, it's same story. Like you're very defensive to it. You're very much like, no, this isn't my fault because that's the story we have told ourselves. It's what we know. You want to talk about comfortable and uncomfortable. The thing that's uncomfortable is to step outside of your story, allow, uh, like clean the slate and rewrite your story and make yourself be the issue. Be the one that's to blame for everything. And I think Gary Vee is the one who talks about it all the time. If you, we all talk about anxiety, we all get anxiety about things. Anxiety is simply fear of the unknown and the unknown in most of our lives is why are things happening? And so we have to fix that fear by putting the blame on other things. Uh, So if I put the blame on you, I'm also expecting you to take the responsibility for fixing it. Now that could go forever because it's in my head, the scenario is in my head. You don't even know what the scenario is, but I'm still expecting you to fix it. We expect other people to do everything for us. We expect, well, you hurt my feelings, so you fix it. Well, it's not up to you to fix it. I'm the one that's going to have the same result if I don't do something about it. So when you're able to do that and you're able to really look at what your true story is, and it doesn't happen immediately. It's not just one time I sit down and do this. It's just like anything else. You create essentially like an index, a library for yourself. How do I respond in these situations? How have I responded in the past? It's completely different once you start introspectively looking at yourself and knocking down that bullshit. Because your index is gonna completely change if you really start, instead of the blame, oh, it's always their fault, somebody else's fault, this person did this, this person did this. It's completely different when you go, what did I do in this situation? Why do I feel this way? And anytime you feel uncomfortable, anytime you feel sad, anytime you feel emotional, anytime you feel happy, dude, do an inventory of yourself. Why do I feel this way? Do you wanna feel happy more often? Of course I wanna feel happy more often. Take stock of what it is that's creating that in the moment. What, what am I feeling fulfilled in what areas of my life? I want more of that. Uh, When I'm unhappy, what's happening? Why do I feel this way? What's going on? What are the things around me? What are the stimuluses around me? What are the relationships I have in the moment? Uh, People don't put enough into taking them. They they just kind of fly by the seat of their pants every day. They wake up and they expect the universe to just line up for them. But you're truly the one in the driver's seat. If you want to be like, that's why I say 20 minutes in the morning, do introspective work, work on yourself, do something for yourself, do something to fill your own cup. Instead of we wake up, we answer our phone. As soon as you roll over and pick up that phone, you're subject to text messages. I don't care if they're good or bad. You're subject to getting caught up on social media. Next thing you, everybody can admit there's been a point where they roll over and next thing you know, like an hour and a half goes by and they woke up at 7am next thing, you know, it's eight, eight 30 and you're still scrolling. You're like, Oh shit, what happened to my morning? You're running late. Um, but the more introspective work you do and the ability to the time your hand hits the handle to step out your door in the morning that you're in control of your world and anything you can't control. I can't control if I open that door and some guy's got a gun and decides to shoot me. I can't control that. And I also can't worry about that. But if I run out the door because I'm late, because I haven't didn't take the time at all throughout the week to set up my schedule because I'm like, Oh, I got it in my head. I'm good. (laughs) Uh, Or I can do this. I'm good. Or, I'm focusing on everybody else because I woke up and I was serving everybody else. I'll start answering emails, text messages, phone calls, whatever it is. If I'm focused on everybody else from the get go, I'm gonna be focused on everybody else the rest of the day. And just like being on that airplane, if you're getting in a crash and the air mass dropped down and you don't have oxygen and you're worried about helping the person next to you before you're worried about helping yourself, you're both dead. Huh. And so we all wanna help each other. We innately, and if anybody listening to this realizes, you can ask anybody, what's your true passion in life? I want to help people. Well, yeah, we all want to help people. Now your purpose is how you help people. How do you get it out? And that's typically where we do our with our careers. It's the way we go about getting it out. And typically it has something to do with an issue or a pain point we have somewhere throughout our lives. Um, because at the end of the day, I've come to realize I can only speak for myself. I do what I do to help expedite people through the bullshit in their life. Um, because one, it makes me feel like my, my the I've experience isn't in vain. And two, why should anybody else have to experience that? It's not hazing. It's not college like, fraternity hazing. Like, why should somebody else have to go through the bullshit? Let them get on to the next thing in their life because maybe they're going to help me with that someday. And you know, I think, I think that's all it is ultimately at the end of the day is um, we all want to help people, but you can't help people if you haven't helped yourself. And that's where I'd say like, it's okay to be selfish. Like, It's okay. Sometimes being selfish is the most unselfish thing you can do.
0: Yeah, we start living for like, you know, our lives are predicated on other ones is bullshit, you know, and I think that's the farthest thing away from you being true to yourself. And, uh, I couldn't put it any better than that. I do have one question for you. I really want to get your definition on this and what it means to you. This is definitely a question for myself. I'm being super selfish right now, but, um, Grant, what does success mean to you? (laughs)
1: Literally success to me is being able to lay your head down at the end of the night and say like, you are happy with where you are in life that you want more and you can achieve more, but you did everything you did today to progress towards that. And that doesn't mean that I worked up, worked nonstop from sunup to sundown. That means I did everything I wanted to do throughout my day. And if I, whether it's financially, I couldn't achieve it yet, or geographically, I couldn't achieve it yet, that I did something to progress towards. And like you said earlier, whether it's 1% or 100%, some days you're gonna have days that it's 500% that I really just fucking crushed the day and I'm moving towards everything. And I made leaps and bounds. Other days, you're gonna have days that you have a 1% growth, uh, 1% better. And that's okay too, as long as you're constantly progressing because you know, to me, success is rocket science. And it's funny because everyone says, oh, it's not rocket science. Rocket science isn't that complicated. I'm sure the nuts and bolts of it are. Rocket science is literally two things. It's propulsion or drag. So you're either moving forward or you're holding yourself back. There is nothing else. There's no hover. You can't hover. Um, so when you think you're hovering or relaxing, you're actually kind of falling away. And that's where, you know, you go on a vacation. It's not a bad thing. You go on a vacation and we go, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling behind. Well, no, that's actually progression. You're recharging your batteries. You're setting yourself up for success. That's you working on the inner workings. You're getting that much hungrier. Taking a day off from the gym, isn't falling behind. Taking a day off from the gym. is it does a multitude of things. All these people that are like grind every day, uh, no days off, no well, days off. Right. But when you do that, like, like let's. if you go into the actual science, the amount of stress you have in your, uh, your body, the cortisol levels, all those kind of things, it doesn't actually allow you to progress the way you want to progress. So sometimes what we deem uh, being lazy or relaxing on stuff, we get so confused and sometimes you need those. To, it's actually going to progress you much further forward. However, there's a big difference between that and not doing that, which you know you're capable of.
0: I think you made a great post of that. I want to say it was quite a long time ago. Actually, you actually had your side by side yourself um, split in the middle and left the left side looking at your phone said 2000 calories eating a day, working out every day and doing cardio every day. And then the other side was eating 4000 calories, um, working out like three to four times, getting eight hours of sleep and doing everything absolutely right. And it looks like two different fucking people. I mean, it's literally the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It's like that is just duh. Like everyone looks at that. like I read it and I'm like, yeah, no shit. That makes sense. And that doesn't, but we get caught up in doing the opposite one too much. Right. I think that's perfect. What you did on that post. And it just goes to show you, like you slowed your life fucking down. And like you said, educated yourself more, maybe a little bit more than, than you actually knew at that time. And you changed some things around and actually you're doing less work and you're getting to that, you know, you're going up that summit faster because you're doing less work. I think a lot of people get that shit flip flop big time, you know?
1: Well, that's where everybody focuses on the external. The external in that case would be if I eat 2,000 calories and I restrict my lifestyle and I'm in the gym every day and, you know, on the fitness portion of it, I, I see that with clients all the time, is most of them are doing stupid amounts of cardio, ridiculous amounts of cardio, not eating anywhere near enough. And on the surface, I mean, quite tangibly, it's external versus internal. On the external, you're like, oh, I'm doing everything that should deem these results. Well, guess what? Internally, your body's not safe. Your body's going, this isn't good. I have to, I, I'm, I'm not in a comfortable place to allow you to lose body fat. I'm not in a place to allow you to gain mu- I'm, Like I'm just right now you're, I'm in survival mode and on a fitness side, like, and the reason I, I attribute everything to and not attribute, but really everything back to fitness is because at the end of the day, fitness is relevant to every single person on this planet. I don't care if you're in the gym every day or not. Uh, I don't care if you have like one of the greatest most incredible things that I ever took away from Ben Pekulski was is we were sitting at the Arnold two years ago at the night show. And I looked at him, I'm like, dude, how cool is it to be up on that stage uh, at the Olympia? And you know, even if you get last place, you're one of the top ten physiques in the entire world. And he looked at me and he's like, honestly, he's like, I've never been more insecure in my entire life. And I was like, well, what? And he's like, I was like, you have one of the best physiques in the world. He goes, I've never focused more on my body. I've never felt more judged. I've never anything and you're talking about one of the top people in the world the people that are on magazines that other people look at going like i want to be like that someday um and it's not about self-love and body image love and you know i think that's gotten blown way out of proportion but we we build these shells, we we focus on all these external things protect the vulnerabilities of what we actually feel on the inside and you know, if I look like I'm big and strong, guess what? Maybe people aren't going to want to fight me and I'm scared of fighting because I don't want to get my face hit and I don't want to do this. Um, or I have an issue because my, my dad used to beat me up when I was young. And, you know, that's just a super simple base level one. And we all focus on these things. We all struggle with body image issues. It doesn't matter how in shape you are or how not in shape you are. And a lot of people deny that. will deny that at first. But at the end of the day, we do. Like we, you know, you get all these people that are doing physique shows. I can tell you that when I was doing a physique show, uh, I struggled pretty bad afterwards. Um, and I literally did that show just to be able to understand my clients better. And I'm so glad I did. I never would have understood it. Otherwise it's because I went from looking what I had deemed to be the best I've ever looked, uh, physically to anything after that was shit. Hmm. So if I'm at, if I'm at 7% body fat, 9% body fat. Now I'm fat now. It's because you're comparing. It's where you are in life. It's what you're feeling. It's all these things. So to me, fitness is like the most universal thing that goes with anyone. It's a metaphor for every aspect of life. Um, not because being a meathead is what it's all about. It's literally, it's a metaphor for life in so many aspects and everybody can relate to it. Not everybody's an entrepreneur. Not everybody's a nurse. Not everybody's uh, CEO, not every, you know, we all have different walks of life that we do. We all have different passions we go down. But at the end of the day, fitness is the one thing, our health, um, that I think keeps us all relative because it doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter how nice you are, doesn't matter how mean you are, doesn't matter how many connections you have. At the end of the day, you have to do the work uh, unless you're going to use your money to go buy like muscle implants. <laughs> but outside of that, you know, it, it gets the point across.
0: That's awesome, man. Um, Before I let you go, I know, dude, thank you so much for all your time. We're going into about an hour now. I don't want to take any more of your time. I could pick your brain all day on these things. I ask um, all my guests to give a gift to everyone who is listening about it can be one, five, 10 items you can make as fast as you want. What's one to three to five, whatever, how many you want to do an actionable item that people can take today and use ASAP that will help them on their journey in their life for a, a positive, for a better in their life.
1: Um, I'm looking at because I'm I'm actually working on a pretty big project right now, um, and I'm putting it together. Um, so I have some 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 actual pretty good topics that I actually just got down on my phone earlier today. So, cool. Um, I would say, okay, so again, it kind of goes along with the whole comparison, um, and the the whole comparison game that we do and all these things and and how we focus so much on everybody else outside of ourselves to be the source of our happiness, our fulfillment, all these things. Um, and this actually came from something I heard from Tony Robbins, uh, was if you turn all your expectations into appreciations, you will totally change your life. And to break that down, it's we expect other people to behave in the same way we behave, but other people don't have the same history that we have. Other people don't have the same experiences, the same outlook. Um, because again, we're all unique. So something I might take away from a sit, that's why you can look at a situation. I can look at a situation. You might go, that's really good. And I'm going to be like, that's horrible. It's because we both have different ideas, ideologies that we're taking into that situation. Um, so, um, as an example of this, I had a client last year who I was like, you know, what's, what's one of your biggest pet peeves in life. And, what I was looking for clients to do obviously blame uh, when so-and-so does this or when someone does this, when in all reality, what I was looking for them to do is when I can't do this, when I can't achieve this. Um, Because again, we base all these things on other people. So your expectations of others, if I hold the door for you, I expect you to hold the door for me. Why? Maybe you didn't grow up being backhanded by your grandmother. If you didn't do that, like I did. Um, So, that's so if you do hold the door open for me, I appreciate that, but I can't expect that Because that has nothing to do with you. That's me So if you take all of your expectations of others and realize that's just a reflection of your standards of yourself You can't have those standards of other people now if other people aren't meeting those standards, then they cool Those are the people you can cut out of your life. It's as simple as that So we don't need to overcomplicate it So if I had one thing to give people quit overcomplicating your life if something works in your life, appreciate it. Let it stay. If it doesn't work in your life, get rid of it. It's not that bad of a thing. It can be a relationship. It can be family. It doesn't matter just because you're my family. Guess what? If you drag me down every day, I don't need you in my life. Cause guess what? When I'm on my deathbed, not going to do shit for me. Are you? So,
0: uh, you got to take care of yourself first. That's what, that's, I guess what I would give people. That's awesome, man. Grant, I want to say thank you so much, man. Thank you for your time and a big portion of your day for this podcast and for myself, too. But, dude, thank you so, so much for being on this podcast. And where can everyone find you at if you want to toss all that stuff out there?
1: Um, easiest place to find me would be Instagram, definitely. That's just GrantMilbody. Or uh, any questions, inquiries, anything uh, through email. At, uh, it's uh, grant at Awesome,
0: man. Thank you guys uh, so much for listening. You guys want to take a screenshot of this, put it on your story tag me, tag Grant. This dude will get back to every one of your guys' messages. He does a really good job at that. If you're going through a tough time, or everything, dude's on top of the mindset game. That's why we connected. Dude's got great business ethics. You guys have any questions, go ahead and ask him. He'll help you out in anything you can. And you guys, thank you so much. Give us a good rating and uh, say hi to Grant. And Grant, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate
1: it. Dude, totally my pleasure. Thank you for having me on.